This is your home of the Oregon Ducks. Up to Brown Jr. Passes off to Smith for the dunk with two hands. And we love to talk about them. With expert interviews, insight, and analysis, this is Quack Attack with Judah Newby. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks. 1029 and 750 The Game. And welcome into the Quack Attack Portland on another Wednesday night in the Rose City. Judah Newby here with you. Chris Parti spinning it as always behind the glass. Good to be with you on this 14th of March. Happy Pi Day, everybody. And happy eve of the NCAA tournament. Hope you're getting your brackets filled out. And if you have not yet filled out your entire bracket, just look, keep it locked into this show right here. Because coming up next over the next 60 minutes, we're going to go by game by game. And I'm going to make all my picks. And you can follow along. Keep that pencil in hand. And you'll be able to turn it into ink by the end of the night. And uh, be able to sleep tonight knowing comfortably that you've got the winning pick for your March Madness pool. Uh, coming up first, though, we're going to talk about the Ducks and the uh, NIT. I know not a lot of interest here. Not a lot of people went to the game last night in Eugene. Just over 2,000 people for an arena that sits you know, well over about 5,500, close to 6,000. So that's pretty disappointing. That being said, Oregon did win last night over Ryder, 99-86. And their next game is going to be against Marquette because Marquette was able to slip out a victory over Harvard earlier today as well. So we'll uh, talk about that, too as the Ducks will go to the great state of Wisconsin coming up later this weekend. We got all the details for you right here on 1029-750, the game. Uh, we'll also, as I mentioned, go through region by region. We'll take a look at the south. We'll take a look at the west. We'll take a look as well at the east and the midwest, breaking down each of the top seeds, which teams are vulnerable, and a little tease for you. I've got three upsets in the 5-12 games, which... 5-12 games in NCAA March Madness is one of my favorite things about sports, watching a 5-12, because more often than not, it's going to be a close game. And recently, especially, just about half the time, it's an upset, and it's just enough of a difference in seeding to where it's a significant upset and one to pay attention to. So I've got three 12-5 upsets coming up uh, later on in the show, so you want to be aware of that. All right, first, Ducks and Ryder. Oregon wins this game 99-86. And you know what? Big shout-out to Victor Bailey Jr. He had a huge game in this one, 23 points. It was a career high. He was 7 of 8 from beyond the three-point line. And keep in mind all the different rule changes for the NIT as opposed to, like, the normal NCAA season or the NCAA tournament itself. But you've got a whole lot of things going on. First, you're expanding the lane from, like, 12 feet to 16 feet. So you're expanding it another extra four feet to be uh, more reminiscent of NBA regulations and standards. The three-point line was extended by 20 inches further. That's a foot and a half. Yeah, that's almost two feet in difference from, uh, from what these college kids are used to. And when you got an offensive rebound, the shot clock reset, not from 30 seconds, but all the way down to 20 seconds. So 20 seconds after an offensive rebound, and Oregon got a handful of offensive rebounds in this game as well. And, of course, you went from two halves to uh, four 10-minute quarters, which I am a fan of because, as people have been saying, but, you know, it it, uh, it means more of the most exciting play in basketball, which is team with the ball at the end of a quarter with the buzzer about to go off and a stoppage in play. You know, you score and get stopped. That's the most exciting play. It's the countdown. Everybody loves a good countdown. 
And hypothetically, in this format, you now get the countdown four times in a college basketball game rather than just two times with the uh, 20-minute half. So I enjoyed that part of it. I don't really know how the lane proportions and those adjustments are going to perhaps uh, affect the game long-term, maybe spacing, of course. And even with the extended three-point line backwards, I'm not sure if that's even going to affect much of the frequency of the three-point shot in terms of shot attempts across the country, but I do think it affects offensive spacing and where you can set screens and where you can run screen and rolls and all that. Uh, it might make offensive rebounding more prevalent with uh, more weak side misses and longer rebounds and maybe um, lend itself to more fast break opportunities and kind of I, I see on that sense why they're extending the three-point line back because misses can lead to more up-and-down um, and more friendly viewing television when you're watching these games. And that's really all it comes down to is is what kind of TV product are you enhancing and are you putting forward to your audience? So a longer three-point line, I actually I don't think that will have much of an effect as to how often teams are shooting the three ball, but it will have an effect in terms of wh- wh- where the ball goes when it misses because the rebounds will be longer, they'll be farther away, and uh, it'll, it'll be more opportunity for offensive rebounding and things of that nature. But for this game in particular, the Ducks were able to handle all the game adjustments relatively well, although this was a pretty poorly uh, defended game for Oregon, given that Ryder scored 86 points, but also given that they were trailing for the majority of this game, and Ryder was the team that was in control. This little six seed out of the NIT coming out of New Jersey rolls right into Eugene and right from the get-go takes the pace and the control of this game. That was not the start that we wanted Oregon to see. They obviously looked uh, uninspired to be there, but then Victor Bailey Jr. kind of put them on his back and he had himself a really, really nice game highlighted by this sequence that came uh, early in the fourth quarter when the Ducks had just retaken the lead late in the third quarter, and then they were looking to keep that momentum alive early in the fourth. In the quarter, to Bailey Jr. fires a left wing three. Got it! <laughs> Bailey Jr. has been red hot from downtown. 15 points. He's 5 of 6 beyond the arc. Ducks down one. Scott, right wing for Ryder. Puts a move on. Drives toward the bucket. Is rejected! Wooten the block to Pritchard. To Bailey Jr., left corner three, yes! Timeout, Ryder. Bailey Jr. having the day of his life from downtown. Six for seven from beyond the arc, 18 points for Bailey Jr. Oregon leads 68-65 with 8.56 to go. And, of course, that's Joey Mack, Jerry Allen on the call for Oregon IMG right here on the game. So Ryder had a 12-point lead in the third quarter, but the Ducks put up 38 points in the fourth quarter alone. Victor Bailey Jr., 11 of the 38 points by himself in the final period. And that sequence you just heard, that was the turning point. Victor Bailey Jr. finishing 7 of 8 from the three-point line and 8 of 11 from the floor overall. Peyton Pritchard, shout-out to him as well. Solid game, 7 of 12 from the floor, 23 points for the Westland native. Elijah Brown contributed nicely with 18 points himself. And so uh, Oregon gets to win 99-86. to And they're going to move on to the second round where they will face... The Golden Eagles of Marquette, Dwayne Wade's alma mater. Marquette was able to uh, hold off Harvard, but that was a pretty closely contested game earlier today, 67-60. to 
and uh, very low scoring until the final period, really. Marcus Howard for Marquette. I was watching this game on ESPN2 earlier today. That guy can ball. He's a sophomore out of Chandler, Arizona. 5'11", $1.75. But he's, uh, he shot 45% from the floor in this game on his way to a team-high 22 points. But in general, I mean, this guy, he, he can really do it all. Checking his season averages for this season. He averages 20.4 points a game. He's a 40% three-point shooter, a 94% free-throw shooter. Averages three assists a game as well. So Marcus Soward, something tells me that he's going to come up later in the show, maybe part of our uh, key matchup presented by the Oregon College Savings Plan a little bit later on. So big win for Oregon, able to uh, beat Ryder, and they at least give themselves a shot going uh, into Milwaukee next week. This is Victor Bailey Jr. on the keys to his success after a career-high 23 points. I was just, just staying in the gym, you know, extra, just trying to put up more shots. But, I mean, my teammates did a really great job finding me tonight. You know, just, just spacing. You know, I got the coaches telling me about spacing and just talking to me and just uh, just kind of getting used to being on the floor and my, my teammates finding me and I was able to put it in. And Kenny Wooten also did a nice job. He had three block shots and uh, had another double-double as well. Yeah, we realized how special it was because not a lot of teams get to play past their season. So we're just trying to embrace it and give it all we got every time we get to play on the floor. You know, not often that a team can win by 13 points the way that uh, Oregon did. And check this out. Ryder had 20 more shot attempts than Oregon. 20. Ryder had 76 shot attempts and 86 points. They went 35 of 76 from the floor as a team. Oregon, meanwhile, 56 shot attempts and made 33 of them. So 20 fewer shot attempts than Ryder. Only two fewer makes. Oregon much more efficient than their opponents. They also out-rebounded Ryder 38-31. Ryder did get 15 offensive rebounds. That's something that Oregon will have to clean up a little bit later if they want to advance past Marquette on the road. And uh, Oregon won't have to see a Pac-12 team on this side of their NIT bracket for what it's worth. USC is the number one seed in the bracket below them. They beat UNC Asheville last night 103-98 and Shemezi Metu not playing. Uh, you got Stanford and BYU. You got Washington and Boise State. That game's going on in Seattle right now. You also got uh, Utah and uh, UC Davis in a 2-7 game in the NIT. So Oregon's got a chance here, isolating themselves from the rest of the Pac-12 and see if they can't make something happen. So much has happened for the Ducks since the last time we had a show, given the fact that uh, our last Wednesday show was before Oregon playing Ernie Kent in Washington State in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. And you had Kenny Wooten playing hero ball with consecutive game-winning blocks on the final possessions in two straight nights to help the Ducks beat Washington State and then again to help them beat Utah by two points. So Kenny Wooten really was starting to come into his own. That's good to see. That's the development that you want to see if you're an Oregon fan and you're keeping the thought process moving forward about next year and the development of all these guys. And that's another reason why the NIT is important for guys like Victor Bailey Jr., to find their shooting stroke, to get a little bit more arc underneath the ball because Bailey was talking about that, how his shot has been so flat recently that he's been in the gym working on bending his knees more in his jump shot, getting more arc under it. You know, when they extend the three-point line back 20 inches at a necessity, you're going to have to get more arc under the basketball. And I think in an odd way, that's kind of helped 
him re-engineer his shooting form. And as a freshman, you've got a lot of time to do that, and hopefully that's going to give him the confidence moving into a very important offseason of development for him to be a sophomore next year and maybe be the three-point threat game in, game out, and be the defensive threat on the other side of the ball that the Ducks can kind of center their offensive and defensive identity around. He can be the stopper. He could be the three and D guy, and that can help Oregon reach their ceiling next year when Pritchard's a junior, when Wooten's a sophomore, when Bailey's a sophomore. We'll see about the future of Troy Brown Jr. I'm not very optimistic about him coming back to uh, to Oregon. I think he'll probably go to the NBA, but you never know. All right, we're going to wrap it up there, and coming up next, we'll get into the bracket breakdown of the NCAA tournament. It's time to whip out those brackets, bring out the pencils. By the end of the show, you're going to be able to turn your pencil picks into ink. I'm going to walk you through them all, and we will talk about it. Coming up next, this is the Quack Attack on 1029 750 The Game. to Quack Attack with Judah Newby, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks, 1029 and 750 The Game. Here on this Wednesday night ahead of the NCAA tournament, beginning officially tomorrow morning right at 9 a.m. And you can hear it right here on 1029 750 The Game, your home for March Madness. And we're breaking down the brackets and the regions Starting with the South region, this one will run out of Atlanta. You got the number one seed and the top seed overall in the tournament. Virginia is one. Cincinnati is two, followed by the three seed, Tennessee, and the four seed, Arizona. Kentucky will be the five. The six is Miami, seven, Nevada, eight, Creighton, nine, Kansas State, 10 is Texas, 11, Loyola, Chicago, 12, Davidson, 13, Buffalo, 14, Wright State, and 15, Georgia State, and number 16, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Starting with Virginia, they're the top seed in the region and the bracket. And on the one hand, they went 32-2 and and won the ACC regular season and conference titles. But on the other hand, they're not a 100% healthy. They just lost DeAndre Hunter for the entire tournament. He has a broken wrist. DeAndre Hunter was the sixth man of the year in the ACC this year, averaged about nine points a game. And it's tough to say how much this is going to affect Tony Bennett and his Virginia squad because on the one hand, yes, he's a key piece and the team does not necessarily run that deep at that position particularly. That being said, if Duck fans can remember from uh, last year, they lost their sixth man and arguably the sixth man of the Pac-12, Chris Boucher, right before the Pac-12 Conference Tournament Final against Arizona. And yes, the Ducks lost that game to Arizona, but what they do without Boucher in the NCAA Tournament? They found a way to compensate for him and went to their first Final Four since 1939. Point is, yeah, it sucks to not be 100% healthy at this time. It sucks to lose a Conference Sixth Man of the Year. It's not the end of the world. I think Virginia ultimately is going to be able to overcome this and uh, still make a deep run in this tournament. Top to bottom, I got Virginia to beat Creighton in round two. And Arizona and Kentucky will meet in round two in the Battle of the Wildcats. And I'll take Arizona. I really thought about this one with Arizona playing Virginia in the Sweet 16. Because on the one hand, I think Arizona is the most talented team maybe in the entire tournament. 
But in this region, top to bottom, I think they do have the most talent. But I do not trust Sean Miller complicitly in this spot. I do not trust most Arizona's defense or lack thereof at this point in the season. The Wildcats have struggled on defense all season long. So I will pick Arizona to beat Kentucky. I will not pick them, though, to beat Virginia. Virginia wins that matchup, and the Hoos get into the Elite Eight. My bracket buster comes in the lower half of the West region, and that's the 11 seed Loyola Chicago. Yes, the Ramblers out of the Missouri Valley and uh, their head coach, Porter Moser. This guy is quite the character. He says his Loyola team is ready to set the world on fire. Coming out of the Midwest, they were champions in the Missouri Valley regular and tournament. And uh, I've got them not only winning against the six seed Miami and upsetting Jim Laranega, I've got Loyola doing something pretty special here. Now, first of all, just think about this. Historically, number 11 seeds have won 37% of the 6-11 matchups. 37%, that's a pretty good number for the 6-11 matchups. Now, Jim Laranega, he's no stranger to the tournament. He is the head coach of Miami. But if you remember from about a decade ago, Laranega's heroics and guiding George Mason of all teams as an 11 seed all the way to the Final Four. That won't be soon forgotten. He also guided Miami both in 2013 and 2016. He got the Hurricanes into the Sweet 16. But I think it's a bit of irony here. I've got Loyola being the 11 seed that upsets Jim Laranega this time around. How about this for Loyola? They have not had a single player foul out all season long. They rank second in the country in fewest fouls committed. They only commit 14 fouls per game, 13.8 to be exact. So they play aggressive but smart defense. I like Loyola going all the way to the Sweet 16, not only upsetting Miami, but also upsetting the three-seed Tennessee. And the Ramblers will be one of the darlings of this tournament. Uh, Taking a look at Cincinnati as the two-seed, you know, say what you will about Mick Cronin, but he's been getting the most out of his team all year. They've had a scorer be hobbled with injury lately, but... They are the regular season and tournament champions of the American Athletic Conference. They are just allowing 31% shooting from their opponents from three-point range. 31%. Teams just can't hit from deep against them. And the Bearcats, this number is so sexy to me. 39 rebounds per game. They dominate on the glass. They've also won six of their last seven neutral site games. So they're comfortable playing on neutral floors. I know a lot of people want to take the 15-seed Georgia Tech to pull another major upset similar to what they did as a 14 seed a couple years ago when uh, Ron Hunter fell off his stool and tore his ACL. And this is one of the great moments. His son, RJ, uh, leading Georgia State against Baylor. This is one of the classic moments of the NCAA tournament from 2015. He misses! Shapes the rebound! Got to push this to the basket. Take it to the basket, guys. Nine seconds. No timeouts left. What are they doing? RJ Hunter for three! I can't forget about that. That was with two seconds left on the clock. Incredible, incredible moment. I don't see it happening again, but in lieu of Georgia State not pulling an upset, still shout out to head coach Ron Hunter for this epic quote earlier this week talking about 
his Georgia State squad taking on Cincinnati. What college athletics should be about is what's happening at Georgia State. Not all this FBI stuff and all this other stuff. It's about these guys right here to eat at McDonald's. You know, the, you know, you know what they, they told us today? That Cincinnati gets to stay at the Hyatt. We got to stay at Comfort Inn. Cincinnati gets to eat at Ruth Chris. We got to eat at Wendy's. But when it comes Friday at 2 o'clock, oh, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready to play. So I can guarantee you that. Great quote from Ron Hunter. He's going to get his team fired up. It will not be enough. I like Cincinnati to win comfortably in that 215 game. I like Cincinnati as well to beat Shaka Smart in Texas in that game that follows. And then the Bearcats will be pleased to see Loyola Chicago coming out to greet them in the Sweet 16. I like the Bearcats to make it to the Elite Eight where they face Virginia. But Virginia makes it through to the Final Four. I just think the defense that they possess, the pack line and even without their uh, sixth man of the year, the ACC sixth man of the year, I think Virginia still finds a way to get it done. That's going to be quite the defensive affair between Cincinnati and Virginia, two of the top defenses in the country. I think they go 1-2 nationally in scoring defense, but I think Virginia is able to make it all the way to San Antonio and win the South region. Now let's take a look quickly at the West. Xavier is the one seed here, and a lot of people say that they're vulnerable and uh, have got them losing to a Missouri maybe out of the second round and have Missouri making it to the Sweet 16. I actually have Florida State beating Missouri. Missouri just had to suspend their second leading scorer on the team. He had a DWI arrest over the weekend. That's not going to go well for the Tigers. As for Florida State, it's a very weak nine seed. I mean, it's a team that many people didn't think deserve to be in the tournament but every so often you get these teams that you think don't deserve to be in the tournament and they win a game anyway i think this is the case with the seminoles they're going to win a kind of a fluke game against michael porter jr and missouri and i think xavier has no problem beating texas southern and i think xavier beats florida state as well and makes it to the sweet 16 my big upset is the 12-5 game south dakota state against ohio state south dakota state that's my 12-5 it's just too too attractive of an upset pick for me to not go with it. I honestly think Gonzaga is a little vulnerable as a four seed going up against the 13 seed UNC Greensboro. That being said, the Zags have found their stride as of late, and there are a lot of people's pick to upset Xavier down the line. I think Zaga does beat Greensboro, and they will beat South Dakota State and make it to the Sweet 16. Houston, Kelvin Sampson has got... The Houston Cougars really riding high right now. They can shoot it well from the outside. They play great defense. They're taking on Steve Fisher and 11 seed San Diego State. A couple of coaches with similar backgrounds here. What Fisher did at Michigan and what uh, Samson did at Indiana, both leading their programs to great success, but both leaving those Big Ten programs amid a little bit of trouble, a little bit of speculation, and in Samson's case, uh, some NCAA violations as well. I like Houston, though, to beat San Diego State. And then you got Michigan and Montana in the 314 game. Montana's got a pair of really strong guards to give Michigan some trouble. But the Wolverines, look, everybody's talking about them as one of the teams to possibly run deep in this tournament. I'm a little more hesitant about that with them, given the fact they haven't played in 10 days. But I do think that they beat Montana in that 314 game. And Texas A&M Providence, look, I'll decide with the Big East team over an SEC team any day of the week. Give me the 10 seed Providence Friars and North Carolina will beat Lipscomb. Those are all the uh, first round games in the West. I do like Xavier over Florida State, as I mentioned. Zag over South Dakota State. Houston to beat Michigan. I'm not one of those teams that th- one of those guys that thinks that w- the Wolverines are going to make a run all the way to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. I think they're good. I think they're talented. I think Mo Wagner is one of the more versatile and at times most dominant players in the country. 
But this layoff, man, I think that the fact that the Big Ten did everything it could to get its conference tournament to be played in New York City is ultimately going to be what snake bites them for making deep runs in this NCAA tournament. It's not good to have this much time off. The only way that they were going to be able to play in Madison Square Garden was if they played the conference tournament a week ahead of time, a week ahead of their normal schedule. Normally, they finish up on the Sunday right before the selection show. They wanted to play in New York. They expedited it by a week. It's going to mean that their teams are sitting for nine or ten days. I think it's going to be to their detriment. I've got Michigan losing to Houston in round two. And then Xavier and Gonzaga, um, it's almost too popular an upset for me to go with Gonzaga, but I'm going to take them anyway. I just don't trust Xavier. I like the Bulldogs and Mark Few to make it to the Elite Eight. That's where they will meet North Carolina because I've got the Tar Heels to beat Houston in the Sweet 16. Zaga and UNC in the Elite Eight. I've got North Carolina coming out of the West and being the champion of the West region and joining Virginia on the left side of the bracket in the Final Four in San Antonio. All right, that's the South and the West. I got Virginia and North Carolina so far. Coming up next in Segment 3, we'll talk about the East and the Midwest, preview both of those regions. Plus, we'll also preview what is up next for Oregon women's basketball in their NCAA tournament. And, of course, the Duck men in the NIT getting ready to face Marquette, who held off Harvard earlier tonight. So the Duck men will go to Marquette coming up on Sunday in Wisconsin. All that still ahead of us. This is the Quack Attack with Judah Newby on 1029 and 750 The Game. Back to Quack Attack with Judah Newby. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks. 1029 and 750 The Game. And welcome back. Segment three of the Quack Attack here on The Game. Shout out Chris Partee spinning it behind the glass as always. Been loving to work with Chris all year long. And uh, tonight is no exception. We're looking at the bracket breakdowns of the regions on your NCAA tournament bracket. So if you have not yet filled out your uh, bracketology, go ahead and whip it out right now. Fire us up on 1029 FM, 750 AM or 1029thegame.com as you very well may be doing right now and follow along. Take notes, kids. Out of the East, this bracket is going to run through Boston. For its Sweet 16 and Elite 8's top seed is Villanova. Purdue is number 2. The 3 seed is Texas Tech. Wichita is the 4. West Virginia, a dangerous 5. 6 is Florida. 7, Arkansas. 8, Virginia Tech. 9, Alabama, the fighting Avery Johnsons. 10 is Butler. St. Bonaventure, number 11. Murray State is 12. And uh, 13 belongs to Marshall. 14, is Stephen F. Austin, 15, Cal State Fullerton, 16, Radford. This is a crazy side of the bracket. I really don't know what to make of the East region except for this. One, I like Jay Wright so much, I will never really pick him to be upset. I've got Nova going back to, what, 2012 when they started this streak of making the NCAA tournaments under Jay Wright. I uh, I think I've had Nova going at, at least to the Elite Eight in each one. I have a hard time uh, picking them to be upset. This year is no different, even though I understand, I grant you, they are vulnerable. I will buy into uh, what Mikhail Bridges and Jalen Brunson have done 
in that backcourt all day long. So Villanova, no problem with Radford in the 116. I've got Virginia Tech beating Alabama, and that's a tough one because I know a lot of people like Colin Sexton in Alabama, but I just think Buzz Williams with enough time to game plan for a star player like that, I like what the Hokies have. They're going to be tough, and they're going to meet Nova in round two. I really like West Virginia, and I think they were underseeded. But because of their underseatedness, it got them in a horrible matchup with Murray State. Great guard play with Murray State in the 12. You know how much of a sucker I am for 12-5 upsets. They're all over the board here. Kentucky Davidson. You've got uh, in the uh, West region as well, South Dakota State, Ohio State. Here in the East, you've got Murray State, West Virginia. And in the Midwest, you've got New Mexico State, Clemson. I'm picking Murray State to upset West Virginia, which lo and behold, would be the third 12-5 upset on my sheet. And we'll get to the last one here in a moment, too. I've got uh, Kentucky beating Davidson, but I have South Dakota State over Ohio State. I've got Murray State over West Virginia. And later, I'll uh, I'll share my last 5-12 upset, too. Uh, Florida and St. Bonaventure, look, maybe I'm just going a little upset crazy. But you got to understand, every year since the first four commenced in Dayton, Ohio, there has been at least one 11 seed to come out of Dayton and make it to the second weekend every single year. And that's going all the way back to 2011. Okay. I think St. Bonaventure is the team to do it. Some people think it, I'll tell you this much. It's definitely not Arizona state if Arizona state is <coughs> definitely not Arizona state. If Arizona state finds a way to make it past Syracuse, I don't think it's Syracuse either. I personally am going with uh, St. Bonaventure to be that team as the 11 seed to make it to the second weekend. Be that 11 seed that gets out of Dayton and goes to the Sweet 16. I have them upsetting Florida in the 11-6 game. I have Texas Tech slipping by Stephen F. Austin. Keep an eye, of course, on Stephen F. Austin. They go at a frenetic pace. They force a lot of turnovers. Uh, they don't commit a lot of turnovers, but they... They finished third in the regular season standings in the Southland Conference. Third. It's not your typical Stephen F. Austin, Brad Underwood coach team. Brad Underwood, of course, now at University of Illinois. I just think it's a little bit different this time around with the Lumberjacks than in seasons past. I think Texas Tech is going to be fine in that 314 game, but I don't think they'll be fine against Bonnie. And I got the fight in Adrian Wojnarowski's to win in round two over Texas Tech and St. Bonaventure is going to the Sweet 16. Anytime Butler is a double-digit seed and has a chance to make an upset, I'm picking Butler. That's just the way I am. So Butler wins the 10-7 game with Arkansas. Purdue has no problem with Cal State Fullerton. In round two, I've got uh, Villanova beating Virginia Tech. Wichita State, after beating Marshall, will have no problem with uh, Murray State, who I have upsetting West Virginia. And then Villanova and Wichita State, I think it's going to be a great game. I think Wichita has a great chance to beat them, but I'm going with Jay Wright to make it back to the Elite Eight. St. Bonaventure's magic is going to come to an end against Purdue in the Sweet 16. I've got the Boilermakers winning there. I've got Villanova beating Purdue in the Elite Eight, and Villanova is making a return to the Final Four. All right, in the Midwest, everybody's hating on Kansas. Everybody's doing it, and it's the one reason I'm going with the Jayhawks on this side of the bracket. I've got them beating Seton Hall in Round 2 because I think Hall will do enough to uh, out-rebound NC State in that 8-9 game, although... Every single 8-9 game scares me. I'm watching all the 8-9 games and all the 5-12 games. I got to do it. It's just, you, you got to do it. It's much watch TV. 
But I do think Seton Hall it wins the 8-9 with uh, NC State, but Kansas beats them in round two. My other 5-12 upset I alluded to earlier, it's going to be New Mexico State against Clemson. One, I I just I don't trust Clemson basketball in this position. You know, call me crazy, but out of thin air, you know, you make the ascension to become as good a team as Clemson was or showed to be. Now you've got to go prove it as a five seed. You lost your best player to an ACL tear in January. They've steadied the ship since then, but I still think there's enough uncertainty there. This game being played in San Diego, by the way, way closer to New Mexico State than it is to Clemson. I've got the Aggies pulling the upset in that 5-12 game. That is my third 5-12 upset on the bracket. New Mexico State to win there. I think Auburn has no problem with the College of Charleston in that 4-13 game. Um, I've got uh, Syracuse beating Arizona State tonight in the 6-11, and then Syracuse beating Texas Christian, Jamie Dixon's TCU squad. I think Syracuse makes it to round two, but they won't get past Michigan State. I've got Michigan State beating Bucknell pretty comfortably, and then Sparty making it to the Sweet 16 over Jim Beheim. Tell Mizzou beats Jim Beheim. Rhode Island, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, in my opinion, shouldn't be in. I think they've they're run dry. Trey Young is going to have another off shooting night, and Rhode Island beats Oklahoma. Duke and Iona. I will take Duke there. Uh, pretty big upset. I have at the bottom of the sheet. I got Rhode Island upsetting Duke in round two. I'm not a huge Duke fan. Maybe that's part of it. I also can't help but love the Hurley factor. Of course, Bobby Hurley played for Duke. Bo- uh, Danny Hurley is the head coach of Rhode Island. I love the idea of Rhode Island uh, upsetting Duke there in round two, plus Rhode Island four seniors on that team to lead them. I like that a lot. I know Rhode Island's a little bit banged up, and they've been tailing off to end the year, but here comes the big upset. They're going to get it over Duke there in round two. I've got Kansas beating Auburn in that uh, Sweet 16 game, and Kansas gets to the Elite Eight. Michigan State and Rhode Island, that's going to be Michigan State winning that game, and then Michigan State to beat Kansas and make it to the Final Four, representing the Midwest. So again, my Final Four, out of the South, it's Virginia. Out of the West, it's North Carolina. Out of the East, it's Nova. And out of the Midwest, it is Michigan State. Coming up, it is our final segment of the show. We will uh, preview the Final Four, and I'll give my national champion pick as well. Plus, Oregon moves to the second round of the NIT. Details on their next game. It's going to be against Marquette. I'll have all the details for you in the final segment. And Oregon women's basketball in the NCAA tournament as well. This is the Quack Attack on 1029 and 750 The Game. Back to Quack Attack with Judah Newby. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling on your home of the Oregon Ducks. 1029 and 750 the game. And welcome back. Final segment of the Quack Attack here on the game on the eve of the field of 64, finally. And for what it's worth, I only recognize Thursday as being the official start of March Madness. I do not recognize the uh, first four in Dayton as being the start of the tournament. I don't think uh, very many people do as uh, the recent expansion from 64 to 68 qualifying teams in this regard, though, I do think that's important because ever since the first four uh, came into existence and we mentioned this in the previous segment, but at least one of those 11 seed play in winners has advanced out of Dayton, out of the first round, out of the second round and into the sweet 16. 
And as you heard in uh, my previous segment, I think that team is going to be St. Bonaventure to uh, shock the world and beat uh, Florida in a 6-11 game and also beat Texas Tech in a 3-11 game in round two. And I've got the uh, fighting Adrian Wojnarowski's making it to the Sweet 16. All right, uh, as for my final four picks, I had Virginia out of the South, North Carolina out of the West, Villanova out of the East, and Michigan State. I wanted to go with Kansas, but they just don't have the consistency. And look, I have no problem picking against Bill Self. So I'm going to pick Michigan State to beat Kansas in the Elite Eight, and uh, they will be my final Final Four representative and the Midwest Regional Champion in San Antonio. Virginia, North Carolina. I know Virginia obviously dealing with the injury to their sixth man of the year that uh, he's going to be out for this tournament. I still think they make it out of the South, but ultimately I think Roy Williams and North Carolina. Look, I watched a lot of North Carolina basketball in the last two weeks, and they've got the versatility to win in a lot of different ways. The way that they were able to break down Duke's zone and use Theo Pinson, use Joel Berry, use the players that they have down low. Theo Pinson might be my favorite player in the entire country that's not named Jalen Brunson. I think that uh, what Roy Williams has going for him and the personnel that he has on this team and the experience, of course, and winning the national title a season ago and coming up short in the national title game a season before that, I think North Carolina is in the midst of something special here with uh, Joel Berry running the controls. I think North Carolina beats Virginia and makes it back to the national championship game for a third consecutive year. On the other side, look, I told you, I I have trouble picking against Jay Wright. I think his teams, you look back historically what Villanova has done in the last decade or so, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're hit and miss, no pun intended, in terms of how far they go in this tournament as a favorite, they're often a one or a two seed. They're a one seed, of course, this year out of the East. And I think they're going all the way to the championship game again. I've got them beating Michigan State in the final four because of that backcourt. I just think they have what it takes to uh, to get it done. They're deep enough, and they've got the player of the year candidate in my mind in Jalen Brunson. And, of course, have a uh, DeAndre Ayton at Arizona has something to say about that. But Brunson, for my money, he's the guard that you want to have with the basketball when it matters in the tournament. That's going to take Villanova all the way to the East Regional Championship. It's going to take them past Michigan State in the Final Four. But ultimately, I think it's going to be North Carolina beating Villanova and the Tar Heels in their third straight appearance in, an, in a national championship game. They're going to come out on top. Who would have thought... In this season of parity in college basketball, in this season of unpredictability in college basketball, it's going to be the team that finished sixth in the ACC regular season standings that ends up going to win it all. And uh, <laughs> I, that's what I have. I've got North Carolina beating their ACC rival Virginia in the uh, semifinals and then going on to beat Villanova in the championship game And Roy Williams. Say what you will about him but he will win another national championship. All right, as for the Oregon women, we haven't talked about them yet on the show. They are 30-4 and four overall. They just earned their highest seeding ever in program history for an NCAA tournament. They will be a two-seed, and they tip off their tournament action Friday at 4.30 in Eugene against the 15-seed Seattle University. It's going to be on ESPN2. And if the Ducks win, then they will advance to a second-round matchup on Sunday taking on the winner of Wisconsin Green Bay and Minnesota. 
that uh, that Green Bay Minnesota game is at uh, 2 p.m. on Friday afternoon. I like Oregon all the way there. What Sabrina Ionescu has done setting the NCAA all-time triple-double record already as a sophomore. She is such a heady player. She's such a competitive and gritty player. If you would have thought Oregon's inexperience with winning on the big stage would have showed up, would it not have shown up last weekend or two weekends ago in the Pac-12 tournament in Seattle? And it didn't. They showed up in a big way. They played all the way through, and they won convincingly in the uh, to win the Pac-12 tournament up at Key Arena. I think, uh, you know, they, they've got what it takes. They have that quote-unquote it factor, plus with Ruthie Hebert playing down low and her consecutive field goal streak from earlier this year. I think that's what's going to carry the day for Oregon out of this weekend, and they'll go to the Sweet 16. And should they make it to the Sweet 16, that is going to be up in Spokane on, on the Gonzaga home floor where Kelly Graves, the current Ducks head coach, used to be the head coach of the Gonzaga Lady Bulldogs. So I think it's really shaping up nicely. Never mind the fact that Oregon was a 10 seed last year and went all the way to the Elite Eight before losing to Gino Oriema in UConn. So I think this is the year that Oregon puts it all together and hopefully parlays it into a trip to the Final Four, but we shall see. At the very least, bank on seeing them in the uh, Sweet 16 coming up next weekend. And as for the Oregon men, they learned earlier today that their NIT Round 2 opponent will be the Marquette Golden Eagles. They are now 20-13 and 13 overall. Marquette is after defeating Harvard 67-60 at the Al McGuire Center in Milwaukee. And so it will be Marquette and Oregon Sunday afternoon, locking in 1.30 in the afternoon for the uh, Pacific time tip here at, right here on 1029 and 750 the game. Marquette in this game with uh, Harvard led from just about beginning to end but then had to hold. They, they committed a lot of turnovers late. We're pretty sloppy with the basketball. But Marcus Howard, we mentioned him earlier, the sophomore guard, 22 points for him, and uh, he is the subject of our key matchup. Which matchup will be critical for the Ducks' success? Judah Newby breaks down the key matchup. Brought to you by Oregon College Savings Plan. Imagine the possibilities. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, and for good reason. Marcus Howard, the sophomore guard, he had 22 points. He is shooting about uh, 40% from three-point range on the season, 94% from the free-throw line this season. If the Ducks can find a way to stop Marcus Howard, then they've got a chance to win this game. But, uh, of course, a Steve Wojciechowski coach team is not going to be easy to defeat and, uh, of course, they're going to be really strong at the, at the free throw line as well. Also look for Andrew Rousey. He is the only senior on this Marquette team there. They only have one, and it's him, Andrew Rousey. He had 15 points, but it came on 13 shots, just 4 of 13 from the field. And uh, backup forward Jamal Kane came off the bench, had 11 points and 6 rebounds for Marquette. And uh, they had an 18-point lead at one point in the third quarter before they allowed Harvard to uh, close back in on them. And Harvard, in the fourth quarter, shot 5 of 10 from three-point range and got a bevy of steals as well to make that closer than it seemed. So Marquette, 67-60 over Harvard. It will be Marquette and Oregon from the Al McGuire Center in Milwaukee. 1.30 tip-off Pacific time right here on the game on Sunday afternoon. All right, big shout-out, Chris Partee. Appreciate him and all the work that he's been doing on this Quack Attack program. I'm Judah Newby. Thanks so much for listening tonight and all season long. 
You can find the podcast on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com backslash 1JSNewbie. I also will put it out on the tweet machine at 1029thegame and at Judah Newbie. Have a wonderful Wednesday evening, everybody. Thanks for listening.